You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We're in John chapter 17. Last week we looked at the first five verses. Wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. Um, How many sermons have you heard on John 17? A few? I think I need to preach on it every year. Uh, It's one of my favorite portions of Scripture to preach upon. But this week as I I was preparing and just looking at the uh, amazing prayer, the high priestly prayer of Jesus, as some have called it, you know, the first five, six verses, he, he's, he's talking just between him and, and the Father. He's talking about the dynamics of their relationship, the dynamics of him getting ready to exit and return back to the Father, the dynamics of the glory that Jesus had from the beginning that he laid aside, that then was manifest as the Holy Spirit came upon him and as he walked in obedience to the Father, as he did what he heard the Father, or he did what he saw the Father doing, and as he spoke what he heard the Father saying, we see that glory then returns to him. It also comes in a very unusual way at the Mount of Transfiguration, where the, the glory of the Lord just came upon him and he just radiated in a visible, tangible manner the glory of the Lord. And that's what he's heading back to. He laid all of that down for us. The joy that he saw on the other side of the cross. Ah, I get excited about that. So in the first, last time I preached with, with you guys, we looked at the time, we looked at glory, we looked at the authority that Jesus had to give eternal life, and we looked at what that was. It was knowing him and knowing the Father. It was about obedience and completing the work that the Father had given him to do. And I just want to quickly review some of those things. And this week I was talking with our vineyard pastor on the west side, Tony Pertel. And he's getting ready to start a new series. And we were talking about his new series. And in the process, he is just one young man that is so excited about all this discovery of what the brain is doing. Are you excited about neuroscience and all the things that's going on in the brain? He was talking about dopamine and all the different kind of chemicals that get released in the brain. And uh, we were having a great time downtown in Fountain Square eating some Mexican food. And as we were doing that, he was talking about how the, the, the left side of the brain, the right side of the brain, he was talking about that. And he was just, and I, I'm not an expert on brain, but I have come across Carolyn Leaf and have been really taken with her teachings and the things that she's been uh, teaching the body of Christ. But one of the first things as an infant, the very first things as, as we come in to the world, it's the contact and the connection with the mother and the infant. And the brain is not developed in many ways can't talk, can't think, can't reason. It's not until about five years old that, uh, you know, motive comes into an understanding uh, in the moral development of the child. But as you have this, 
the first thing they do is when they, when they see eye to eye. And as Tony was sharing this, and we were talking, it was just so much fun. He says, dopamine is released in the child when they see the mother. And when the mother sees the child, dopamine is released in the mother. And one of the dynamics of this is that there, in the eye, there's a little tear duct that releases and it comes down and there is a, a sparkle. And the infant sees the sparkle in the mother's eye because we were created for joy. We were absolutely created for joy. And it's interesting that at the very beginning, the first connection, if it's a healthy, normal kind of dynamic within the birthing, is that the mother's there and the twinkle, the sparkle in the eye. Have you, have you noticed that when you come around people that when you see them, you light up? When you see them, there's a, there's a twinkle in your eye. <laughs> you, you sparkle and, and you come and they just, I don't have a whole lot of folks that I do that to, but my dog, Chewy, <laughs> I, I see his eyes sparkle when he sees me. He hears the garage door go up. He knows I'm coming through the door. And as I come through the door, he whips around the wall and he's full of joy, full of joy, full of joy, because I'm there. I remember when Deb used to be that way. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I, I still get a sparkle and she gets my sparkle. I get pretty excited when I see her, especially at 11.35 when she comes through the door each night. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's that dynamic. We are created for joy. And here now Jesus is picking up in verse 6, and he says, he's praying to the Father, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you would release your Holy Spirit upon the church, upon each son and daughter of yours, that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive what your word has been sent for today. 
let it not return to you void without having accomplished everything that you've sent your word to accomplish in us today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Jesus is kind of shifting his focus to, to us. And he's talking to the Father and he says, Father, first of all, number one, I have revealed you to them. When you see Jesus, you've seen the Father. You get this back in chapter 14 when Thomas says, show us the Father, Lord Jesus, that'll be enough. And he says, Thomas, don't you understand? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus is the perfect representation of Father God to us. He says, those that you have given me are yours and they have obeyed your word. I love that. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. His perception of his disciples is that they're obeying the word. They're obeying the word. As, they, as Jesus has revealed to the Father, and he's revealed the word of the Father to them, they are starting to get it, and they're starting to obey. And then he goes on, they're understanding that everything that I have, everything that they've seen me do, everything that they've heard me say, they're understanding that my source is you. Everything that's been given is yours. And he says, out of that, I've given them your words, plural, your words. He, he, he hasn't given us just a copy of the scriptures, the word. He's, giving, he's given his disciples the words of the Father. So amazing. <laughs> Not only has he given the words to the Father, to those that the Father had given to him, but they had accepted his word. I think this is interesting in the order because he begins with the having revealed the Father to them and they've obeyed and now giving them the words of the Father and they've accepted the words. And out of that acceptance, they believe that Jesus has been sent by the Father. So he says, I've given them the words that you gave me and they've accepted them. Thirdly, he says, and I pray for them. Why? <laughs> They're still in the world. And the world hates them, just as they hated, just as the world hated Jesus. I pray for them, not the world. I pray for them. Everything that's mine is yours, and everything that's yours is mine. And he's talking about that dynamic of, of sharedness of everything between the Father and the Son. It's so amazing as, as, as you see the dynamic of this, that the disciples go from obeying and believing and also giving the Lord Jesus glory. How do they give him glory? <laughs> By obeying. When we obey the Lord, we give the Lord glory. When we receive the words of the Lord and acknowledge that they're from him, he receives glory. And so as the glory of the Lord has continued, the dynamic is that he's planning on going back to the Father and enjoy the glory that he's had pre-existent before creation ever took place. He's going back to that level of glory, but now he's receiving glory from his disciples. Have you ever thought of you 
being able to give glory to the Lord Jesus, not just giving glory, give God the glory, glory, not the song, but actual giving God glory. When you go about your day and you encounter a situation and you allow the love of God to flow through you, the Lord Jesus is receiving glory from that transaction. From that moment in time and space, in heaven, Jesus is receiving glory. He continues to receive glory from us. I don't know what that does to you. Have you ever thought of how powerful you are to give glory to God? Well, he's the one that works in us. We love him because he first loved us. He gives us grace so that we can exhibit grace. He's merciful to us so that we can extend mercy to others. And every time we're doing one of those kind of dynamics, the Lord is receiving glory. Glory and honor to the Lord. So there he is, he's praying. He, he's kind of just anticipating going back to the Father's glory, but he realizes that his disciples remain in the world. They're not of the world, but they remain in the world. And so he says, Holy Father, protection. They need to be protected. They're still in the world. They need protection from the evil one. They need protection from the world. How do you get protection? By the power of your name. There's power, power. There's power in the name of Jesus. Never doubt and underestimate the power that's in the name of Jesus. A lot of times it's, it's almost that uh, we get so religious in our, in our prayers and stuff that we just add on in the name of Jesus, you know, and it's like, no, we've got to realize that the name of Jesus is very, very powerful. Very powerful. There's something about proclaiming the name of Jesus that invokes his presence. We know God is everywhere, but the manifest presence of God isn't everywhere because we're not aware of it. But when we speak the name of Jesus, it connects our spirit and our heart and our mind together. And as we proclaim the name of Jesus, there is the manifest presence of Jesus. I remember Sean Bolts, he was talking to a group of intercessors and uh, he told them just his instructions, just say the name of Jesus until he shows up. Now, every now and then the Holy Spirit reminds me of that and I practice it. And I just say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I keep saying it until the awareness of his presence fills the room. I, I, I want him to fill my heart, fill my life, but I want him to fill the spaces that I inhabit, <laughs> where I go. I want, I want there to be a release of the name of Jesus and his presence everywhere we go. So he's praying by the power of your name. So we're thinking, okay, which name is that? And he says, the name that you gave me. There's something specific for us. All the different words in the Hebrew, uh, in the Old Testament for God, uh, 
Gosh, you, you can go through all the compound derivatives of the name of God, Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai, El Shaddai. And as you go through all of those names, here the name that brings protection to his disciples is the name that the Father has given to the Son. Well, what name is that? Well, Philippians 2.9 will give you a good idea. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, there is power in the name of Jesus. It says every knee should bow. Every knee should bow. I believe every knee will bow. I think that when the name of Jesus is pronounced and proclaimed, it will bring subjection to even the enemy. The glory. Now, as he's, as he's praying for their protection by the name that the Father has given to the Son, he gives us so that, a, a result clause, or a purpose clause. In, in the Greek, it's a hina. It, the, the clause is that they may be one as we are one. You'll find that this is a theme throughout Jesus' prayer. He continues to hit this uh, in the latter parts of his prayer, and especially for us as he includes all of us who will believe as a result of the disciples' uh, evangelism and proclamation of, of the gospel. But it's unity to be one as they are one. How are they one? Everything that the Father has is given to the Son. Everything that the Son has is given to the Father. There's no, there's no really boundary line between whose is whose. <laughs> That's why Chuck's message last week was so powerful. Because for us, we must make the Lord absolutely first. And as we honor him as first and give him first place, then what we're doing is we're entering into the unity where we acknowledge everything that we have is the Father's. Everything that we have is the Son's. Everything that the Son has is ours. Everything that the Son has <laughs> is the Father's. That should take care of the poverty, poverty spirit. That should do something to the woe is me because I don't have enough. When we start to get a revelation of how much is ours through Christ Jesus so that they may be one as we are one. And then the kicker, which I kind of titled the, today's message. <laughs> Jesus is telling us that he's protected them, he's kept us, he's kept his disciples, but now he's getting ready to, to, to come back to the Father, and he's saying these things. Now just do a study on what are these things that Jesus is saying, you know? I don't think Jesus is like us I, I, in this regard. Have you ever prayed a prayer and you're talking to the Lord, but you're really talking to someone else? Lord, please help Debbie to know that I really would like a filet mignon this afternoon. Oh, she's, she's within hearing. 
oh, okay, isn't that interesting? You know, it's like Jesus is not saying these things because the disciples are over here listening, although someone must have been close enough to hear to record it. We won't get into that. But I think that these things that Jesus is praying to the Father that he's referring to is not just what's in the prayer. I think it goes all the way back to chapter 14 in everything that he's giving in this discourse prior to his prayer, his arrest, his suffering, his crucifixion, his resurrection. It's all those things. John 14, 15, 16, 17. Wow. All these things. He's saying all these things while he's here on the earth for one reason, that they may have the full measure of my joy within them now. Everybody check, get your joy dipstick. What, what are you measuring? Are you half quart low? What's happening in the, in the joy department? This is why I think it's so important because the enemy knows that we were designed and created in God's image to know relational joy in our eye to eye connection. And so he throws as many obstacles between us and the true object of our deep, deep joy, the revelation of Jesus, Father and Holy Spirit. And so the evil one works to bring all sort of false pseudo triggers that will cause dopamine to go in our brain and for the, the pleasure center, the joy center of our brain to get activated. Now just think about this. The enemy can't keep us from the fullness of joy that's in the Lord Jesus unless he can introduce a false intimacy, a false joy, a false means by which our brains will trigger the dopamine and then we'll be able to have what we were created to have, joy. And so he will use artificial stimulants. He, he will do synthetic stuff. He will do all sorts of things to somehow block the relational dynamic whereby we connect with Jesus, we connect with the Father, we connect with the Holy Spirit in such a delightful way that we are the sparkle of his eye and he's the sparkle in our eye. Huh. So he throws everything at us. He throws everything he can. Drugs, why? We're trying to get the dopamine to trigger so that we can know the very thing that we were created for. We were created for joy. The problem is, are we gonna let the enemy switch the authentic with the, with the counterfeit? You look at all the different ways in which we try to get joy. Some of us are, are thrill seekers. We love the thrill of an amusement park. You know, the taller and faster the roller coaster, the better. The more ways in it which it will maneuver around and release joy, the thrill. We get addicted. There's a lot of things that we do that releases joy that's not wrong. 
but they're never supposed to be primary. They're never supposed to be the primary means by which we know the joy, the full measure of the joy of Jesus. The full measure of the joy of Jesus is met in him. See, there's, there's no difference in our brain between joy, like we would talk in church, and happiness. The brain doesn't know that. It just knows that dopamine's been secreted and we're happy or we're joyful. We're having a positive emotional reaction to whatever it is that we've seen or we've done or we've consumed. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to help rewire some of our systems this morning. I think that the heart of the Father is that he loves us so much that he doesn't want us activating our own means to joy. He wants us to discover his true dynamic and connection with joy. He wants us to look into his eyes and see the glistening sparkle of his eye when he sees us. You've heard the expression, the apple of your eye? Yeah, you are the apple of his eye. He absolutely loves you. So how does the enemy do this? Well, the first thing he tries to do is to get us not to see Jesus. If we can't see Jesus's eyes, we can't see the sparkle in his eye. We don't know that he's delighting in us and that when we come into his presence, he's filled with joy. And the enemy's always right there when you're ready to move into an opportunity to encounter his face with a reminder of what you just did the day before, the night before, the week before, whatever. And he uses shame because shame changes the countenance. What happens when shame's upon you? You no longer look into the eyes of the Lord, you drop your head. Shame always caused there to be a drop in the eyes. And so the evil one will use shame in our life and he will invest in building a system, a stronghold of shame inside of us so that we'll never know the joy sparkle of the eye of the Lord that we're, we're created for. And so when we come into his presence, instead of looking into his eyes with our eyes, excited to see him, we drop our head and we feel like we're disqualified. We don't measure up. We're not enough. And we've got a whole life of experiences that substantiate those, those facts that we embrace and believe that because of that, we can't connect. We can't lift our eyes. And that's why Isaiah says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes, wake, O sleeper, for your redeemers come. And when we see him, don't let the enemy remind you of your shortcomings and your failure and your shame. Look into his eyes and see the love, the light, and the authority that he has to release eternal life to you. I'm still meditating on what is the fullness of joy that the Lord wants us to have. <laughs> it always cracks me up that whenever I'm preaching about the fullness of joy, it feels like, man, this is one of the flattest services I think I've, I've been in. I think, man, Rick, your preaching really lacks 
any joyful energy. Have you ever noticed that? You preach on worship and worship. You know, you preach on prayer. You can't get your prayers above the ceiling and all those kind of things. But that's not the truth. The truth is you are designed for joy. Don't let anything keep you between the eyes of the Lord and your eyes. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now and invite you to clear any obstacles that would keep us from being able to connect fully into eye-to-eye contact with you. I pray, Father, that you would release us from the shame of all the counterfeit methods that we've tried to release joy in our brains, all the different ways that we've learned and we use dopamine to try to make us feel better. I pray, Father, that we would put first things first, that our eyes would be fixed on you, the author, you're the one that started it, and the finisher, you're the perfecter, you complete it, our faith. And so we look to you. We look to you today. I pray that we would so get our vision fixed on you that the enemy's tactics would be absolutely powerless to keep us from going back to the ways of yesterday. I pray today, Lord, that you would put a stake down and give us the grace to come and put our hand with your hand and say, from this day forward, Lord, our heart desire is to have the joy of Jesus unto full measure within each one of us. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. If you got your communion elements, Lord, we take the, the representation of your body and we acknowledge that you came, you laid down your glory, you humbled yourself and became a man, you became a servant and you became obedient even unto death, the death of a cross. You gave your life for ours. We thank you for your body. We say that you are the bread of life and that upon ingesting this symbol, we are doing an act, Lord, of saying, come in fully. Free us so that we might know you like we've never known you before. And so we receive the body of Jesus with thanksgiving and we eat in memory of you. Lord, we know there's power in your name because your name has been given for our protection. And we speak the name of Jesus over each one here and over this place and over this fellowship and over all those that are watching on, on the stream. And we say, Lord Jesus, there's power in your blood. Your blood is the supreme sacrifice. That one drop of your blood is enough to atone for all the sins of the world. We thank you that our sins have been forgiven 
And not only has there been the cleansing of the blood, but now there's an empowering of the blood. We thank you that your blood has caused us to be freed from, but also that your blood has freed us unto. And we say, let your blood now be received as a means of bringing a greater love and intimacy with you than we've ever known. We remember you and we drink in your name. As the worship team comes and leads us in our last song, just remind you that we have places safe distancing around the sanctuary to pray for one another. Um, if, if there has been anything that the Lord has been, or that the enemy has been using that's keeping you from being able to access the fullness of the joy, that's what we wanna pray for today. Today is our joy connection. So I invite you to come to the right and left, enter into the joy koozie of the Lord, and let's get our joy back on. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.